what I'm going to say this morning. Walk worthy of your calling and his name revolves around Psalm 51 and one verse. Psalm 51 and one verse. And we're going to go to it at the start and then I'll come back to it again at the end. One verse from Psalm 51 and verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11. While you're turning that up, David here is about 45 years of age in his reign in Israel. And David has had many battles and many victories running up to 2 Samuel chapter 11. But David changes something in 2 Samuel chapter 11 to his detriment and to his kingdom at that time. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab. Now Joab was a mighty man of valor, a mighty man of battle and he was David's nephew and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon. Now Ammon would be modern day Jordan and besieged Rabbah but David tarried and stayed in Jerusalem. And in verse 1 is the start of problems for David. Because at the start of the verse it says, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle. But the kings at home, and the kings in Jerusalem. And because of this, the king gets another battle to fight. Not the battle that he should have been fighting. And a battle that he will lose. It's a battle of the flesh. And I'm just wondering this morning, brothers and sisters, whenever I read that. And David sends everybody out onto the battlefield. But David's not on the battlefield himself. And I thought about it. Are we where we're meant to be? Are you this morning, brother? Are you this morning, sister? Are you listening online and watching this online from your home, from your couch? And you're neglecting the gathering of the brothers and sisters? As it says in Scripture that you're meant to come together and neglect it not. You're sitting at home behind your closed door. And you're not gathering with God's people. In fact... You claim to be saved, but you can't give the Lord Jesus Christ an hour of your time. You're sitting at home. Your Savior and your Lord, who bled and died for you. Not only are you sitting at home, you've left your post, and you weren't given permission to leave your post. And every excuse comes to mind. Every excuse comes to mind. I was offended. He didn't shake my hand. He said something to me. I didn't like it. What soldier doesn't take a hit? If you're in battle, what soldier doesn't take a hit? If you're taking hits for Christ, rejoice. Because you're suffering for his name's sake. Get back into the battle, brother. 
get back into the battle, sister. Never mind men and women of the flesh. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for you. It's Christ that you're serving. But if you go now to the verse 2 of the chapter. And it came to pass in an evening tide. So it's the evening. That David arose from off his bed. Israel is in battle. The Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, is in battle. All Israel is in battle. Jerusalem is emptied. But David's in bed. And it's evening time. Has David become complacent? Has David had many battles and many victories? And he has said this time, I'm not going to go. We'll win anyway. The Lord's with us. And has he become complacent? Brothers and sisters, stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you touch and everything you do, and if it's working out for you, God bless you if it is, but stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ because that's where your blessings are coming from. And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. Now, in Jerusalem in those days, there would be flat roofs, a place of relaxation, even a place to bathe. And David's walking upon the roof. He's only up out of bed at his house. And everybody's fighting for the kingdom. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now David has another battle. It's not the battle that he should have been fighting in the battlefield with Israel and with the Ark of the Covenant. It's a battle of the flesh. He shouldn't have had to fight this battle. And this is a battle that David will lose. David is on his rooftop. He's only out of bed. And he looks across Jerusalem. And he spies a woman. Beautiful to look upon. Another woman's wife. And he looks upon her. Verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. David sent and inquired after the woman. This is the start of David's fall. David looked upon her. He saw her. She was beautiful. And he inquires. The seed has been sown. The seed has been sown. You remember here this morning. You've been caught up in sin. Secret sin. I don't know. But the Lord knows all about it. There's nothing secret about it. It's before God. And David inquires in verse 3. Instead of turning away and immediately going back into his palace, he inquires. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Now Uriah, the Hittite, that was, that's modern day Turkey. And Uriah was a mighty man of valor in David's kingdom. So David has inquired. Verse 4. And David sent messengers. So now it progresses. He's inquired in his mind. Who is that? He's curious. Now he sends messengers. And he took her. 
and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. He inquires, I'll just meet her. I'll just talk to her. We'll have a bite to eat. One thing leads to another. It starts to snowball. It starts to snowball. David lies with her. And now he's committed adultery. Uriah the Hittite, a mighty, a mighty man of valor, is fighting for David and fighting for Jerusalem and Israel on the battlefield. But the king is enter, entertaining his wife. The king is entertaining his wife. Walk worthy of his calling and his name. And the woman conceived, Bathsheba is now pregnant. And the woman conceived and sat and told David and said, I am with child. So, what now? How did Bathsheba get pregnant in the first place? Sure, her husband's on the battlefield. How am I going to cover this one up? What am I going to do now? Verse 6. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Instead of David repenting of his sin, Instead of him coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I've done wrong, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Now he starts to cover up. He wants to keep it a secret, but it's not a secret. It's a secret to everybody else, but the Lord Jesus Christ knows all about it. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Now Uriah is off the battlefield. And I'm sure your eyes wondering what's going on. Because in the verse 7, And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him, How is Joab and how the, the people did and how the war prospered? David's not interested at all in the battle. He's trying to cover up his secret sin. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him, How's the battle going? And how are the people? And how the war prospered? The plot now to cover up his secret sin. In verse 8, And David said unto Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. Now, when David said to Uriah, Go and wash your feet, he was speaking of go down to your house and enjoy your home and entertain your wife. David is trying to get Uriah. He's taking Uriah off the battlefield. And he's trying to get Uriah to go down to the house to sleep with his wife and everything's going to be all right. That'll cover it up. He's making it worse. And verse 8, And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. Now a mess of meat just means the king's portion. So David's doing everything he can here. Go down to your house, relax, wash your feet. There's my portion of meat. Go down and enjoy your wife. He's trying to cover up his sin. In verse 9 of the chapter, 
But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. What a verse of scripture that is. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house. He sleeps at the door of the palace. Why? But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of, of his lord and went not down to the house. Why did Uriah sleep at the door of the palace? Why did he do it? A man of honor. A man of valor. In contrast to David, who's trying to cover up his secret sin. Verse 10 and 11. And when they had told David, so they came to David, and when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Asking him questions. Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? Now listen to the next verse. What a rebuke. And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Now you think David would have known that. He's the king. But David's being shown up here. He got a rebuke in that verse. Uriah is saying, David, the ark of the covenant's intense. Israel's intense. Your people are fighting. The Lord is with them. But you want me to go down and enjoy my wife and enjoy my home? Why am I even here? Uriah's probably thinking, why am I even here? What's this all about? You've taken me off the battlefield. Is somebody trying to take you off the battlefield? Is somebody trying to take you away from your post? If somebody's in the way, remove them. If you're on the way and you're serving Christ and somebody's in the way, get rid of them. If somebody's well cold and pray for them, Pray for them if they're in a black backslidden state that the Lord will bring them back. But if somebody's in your way and you're on the way to serving the master, get rid of them out of your life. If somebody's in your ear, they've gone cold. They have a problem, whatever it is. They have a problem with the church, maybe. And they're in your ear, come on. So don't go to church this morning. Don't go the night. Don't go to the Bible study. Don't go to the prayer meeting. Don't serve. So come on with me. Remove them from your life. You're serving Christ. Time's short. Push on. Put the shoulder to the plough and don't look back. Who can put the shoulder to the plough and plough a straight furrow looking back? If you're looking back, you'd be all over the place. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ and keep going in the service for the master. So you're always wondering, what is, what is this all about? What is going on? And David's making a mess of everything. Instead of just confessing it, instead of just sorting it out there and then, he tries to hide and he tries to make it a secret sin. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, the ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, 
And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest? And as I so liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here to, today also. So here's another day when Uriah is out of service and he's not on the battlefield where he's needed. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and did drink before him. And he made him drunk. He made him drunk. Here he goes again. He's panicking now. What am I going to do? He's really going for it now, isn't he? And and David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and tomorrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at the evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. Uriah is now drunk, full of food, entertained by the king, who's not walking worthy of his calling or his name, trying to hide his secret sin. He's taken a man of valor off the battlefield. And this is the second time, but this time Uriah is drunk. So you would think now, right, he's going to succeed in trying to do what he's, what he's doing with Uriah. They get him to go down to his house and they lay with his wife. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab. Sorry, verse 13. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him. And he made him drunk at the evening. And he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. Verse 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now, what is the letter? What's this letter? Everything's failed. An honorable man, Uriah, a man of valor who fears the Lord. And David tried everything in his power to cover up his secret sin. But he gives him a letter. What is the letter? And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab, that's his nephew, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. The letter is Uriah's sentence. Have him killed. Whoa. Have him killed. And Uriah wouldn't have opened that letter. Because it would have had the king's seal on it. And why would he not have opened it? Because Uriah's an honorable man. He's an honorable man. He wouldn't have opened that letter. He left Jerusalem and walked back to the battlefield with his letter in his hand. And he hands it to Joab. Can you imagine the reaction? Joab opens the letter and looks at it. And looks at Uriah. And looks at the ladder. What has this man done to deserve this? Put him to death? Have him murdered? 
You see, brothers and sisters, don't entertain sin in your life of any sort. Of any sort. And if a secret sin or any sin in your life, nip it in the bud straight away. Because it rolls and it rolls and it rolls and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And before you know it, you're in a mess. Look at David, king of Israel. What a mess he's in. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire from your, ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah on the place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Job done. Job done. That's it, sorted. Nobody knows about it. He's dead. That's the end of that. I'll not be hearing about that again. Go to verse 26 and 27 of the chapter. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house. And she came, she became his wife. She became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. You see, it's open before God. See what you're saying about your brother. See what you're saying about your sister. See what you're saying about anybody. It's open before the Lord. It's not secret at all. And it'll be brought out at some stage. He knows all about it. So what now? What now for, for David? He thinks he's gone away with it. Secret sin, it's all over. Chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan on to David. Now Nathan is a prophet of Israel. And he would have given king's counsel in the king's courts. And the Lord tells Nathan what he's done. Now, there was about a year's passed between chapter 11 and chapter 12. Why a year? Just over a year. What was the Lord trying to, trying to do there? He was giving David time to repent. He was giving David time to repent of his secret sin. But he didn't. So the Lord tells Nathan, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him, and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the one poor. The rich man is David, and the poor man is Uriah. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, speaking of the king and all his possessions and everything that he ever needed. But the poor man had nothing, speaking of Uriah. Save one little ewe lamb. The ewe lamb is Bathsheba, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. And it ate of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. 
And there came a traveler. The traveler is speaking of David's thoughts. The traveler is David's thoughts. Do you remember way back in the chapter, David looked and inquired. That's the traveler. Under the rich man. And he's spurred to take of his own flock. So he doesn't take of his own wives and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man. Now the wayfaring man now is talking about David's thoughts turning into actions. To dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb, Bathsheba, and dressed it for the man that was come to him. So now, the Lord has told Nathan the prophet what David has done. He's had over a year to repent of it, and he hasn't done so. Look at the next verse, verse 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. Who is this man? How dare he do that? You bring him before me and I'll sort this out. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. By David's own words and by David's own mouth, David has passed death sentence on himself but he doesn't know it yet he doesn't know it yet and David's anger was greatly kindled against the man and he said to Nathan as the Lord liveth and the man hath done this thing shall surely die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity and Nathan said to David thou art the man it's you David You are the man. So by your own words, you should die. You should die, David, for what you have done. Your sin is no longer secret. You were given over a year to repent of it. And the Lord has told me to go to you and bring it before you. David, by his own words, should perish for what he has done. Thou art the man, David. David's anger is kindled against this man. But it was himself. It was himself. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth and the man that has done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee a master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have moreover have given unto thee such and such things. He's now saying to David, you have everything, David. You have everything that you need. And if it wasn't enough, I would have given you more. And I've given you anything you wanted. You just had to ask. But you had to go and take another man's wife. And not only that, you put him to death. And not only that, you tried to cover it up. You tried to cover it up. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. 
Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. Now after this here, the few chapters after this, about ten chapters after this, David has real trouble in the kingdom. Real trouble because of his sin. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword, and the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee, out of thine own house. I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbour. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel. And before the sun. That's all out in the open. And everybody's going to know about it. And for the next ten chapters after this, in the book of Second Samuel, David has real trouble in the kingdom. Real trouble. Because of his sin. What now? What now for David? What now for the kingdom? Verse 13 of chapter 12. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. What a merciful Savior. What a merciful Savior. Because by the mouth of David himself, he should have been put to death. But Nathan the prophet says, the Lord is having mercy on you. He's going to put away your sin and you won't perish. How be it, because, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And I looked at that verse and I thought to myself, do I give the enemies of the Lord occasion to blaspheme? The lovely Lord Jesus Christ. How do I lead my life? Do I walk worthy of my calling and his name? Or do people look at me and go, ha, look at the elder. Look what he's doing. And they're laughing and mocking. But they're not, I'm given occasion to blaspheme my, Lord, my lovely Lord Jesus Christ. They're blaspheming my saviour. Because of me, because of my thoughts, because of my deeds, because of my actions, I'm not working worthy of my calling or his name. And the world is laughing and blaspheming my saviour because of me. You see, it hits home, doesn't it? See, when you get a word from the Lord, it really hits home. I've been living with this for three weeks. Can't sleep. All day in the head. Purging. The purging of the Lord and his people. The cleansing. And the purging comes when you get a word from the Lord. Howbeit because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So the child dies. The child dies. What a mess. What a mess. And what now? 
for David. Psalm 51, verse 17. Psalm 51, verse 17. This is a psalm that David wrote after Nathan the prophet had came to him. And he repented. Now, I'm not talking about a few words. I'm not just talking about I'm sorry. You know, that's it. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. David, in this psalm that he writes after Nathan the prophet, came to him with the rebuke from the Lord. He's sacrificing himself now before God. He's broken in spirit. He's not just sorry. He's broken. He's broken in spirit. And it says he's contrite in heart. That means he's crushed. That means he's crushed. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. He's contrite. He's crushed and he's broken because of his sin. And the Lord says, David, I'll put away your sin and I'll forgive you. And you won't perish either, even though he said himself that the man should die. He says, you won't perish. What a merciful God. What a merciful God we have. If a brother or a sister stumbles and falls like we all do, including this man standing up here, and they fall into sin. What would we do with them? Ah, look at your man. Look what he's done. Did you hear about her? What would we do with them? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. If a man or a woman comes to you or to God with a broken spirit and a contrite heart, forgive them because you never know what it'll be you in that position you see we're good at throwing people under the buses aren't we sometimes we, we use believers as speed ramps don't we under the bus you go no that's not the way it's to be you're to forgive them if they're broken and contrite forgive them support them and pray for them and bring them back into the assembly and forget about it because we're all capable of it this is King David a man after God's own heart. Look at the mess he was in. Look at the mess. The Lord brought to me something when I was doing this study about revival. And we often hear people talk about revival. And it's good to talk about revival. It's good. And we all want revival. But the Lord said, the fire's there. The fire's there. It's already there. But there's no sacrifice for it to fall upon. There's no sacrifice for it to fall upon, Glenn. What about, what about me? Can the Holy Spirit fire fall upon me? Am I ready? Is my life ready? Is my life ready to be set on the altar of God? There's the sacrifice, Lord, let the fire fall. Yeah, but you're not ready yet. 
what do you mean? Well, you have to get rid of self for a start. Self has to go. There's no room for self. And then, you have to come crushed and contract and broken in spirit. Uh, we don't like to do that, but do we? Don't like to do that. Broken, a broken spirit, crushed in heart and contract, and let the purging commence. The purging is purification and cleansing. And I got this word three weeks ago. And I have been purged and purged and purged and purged. And the orders went, this, that, this has to go, has to go. What about that? What about that? And it's tough. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Rid yourself of self and let the purging start in your life. The purification and the cleansing. And then place yourself at the altar of God and the fire will fall. That's how revival starts. We fires start to break out all over the place. And then somebody else catches the fire. And then somebody else catches the fire. And then this tabernacle will turn into an inferno. And then revival will come. That's how revival comes. But it's going to cost you. How much do you want it? Talk about revival all the time. Okay. How much do you want revival? You can bluff me all you want, or the pastor, whatever, that's fine. You can't bluff the Lord. David found that out through Nathan the prophet. Nothing's secret before the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens to David? Isn't the Lord wonderful? What a merciful Savior. David repents. He's crushed and contrite. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 29. And David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. David's back where he should have been in the first place. He's on the battlefield with Israel and with the ark. And this time he wins the battle because the Lord's with him. The Spirit has spoken this morning. The word from the Lord. The Spirit has spoken. And the Lord's speaking the hearts. Walk worthy of his calling and his name. Thank you. God bless.